Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. That part that I really wanted more than anything, which was for my children to know the Lord and to serve Him, that part, that actual change of heart that is required, that repentance that is required to follow Christ was not my job. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. So I have a question for you. How do you find peace when you're not in a very peaceful state of mind? And where do you find the words to talk to God about peace when it feels like your whole life is spinning out of control? Well, helping me dig into this topic of finding peace and praying for peace is Brooke McLaughlin. And Brooke is the founder of Million Praying Moms. She's also the host of the Million Praying Moms podcast, the author of six books, and her latest book is called Everyday Prayers for Peace. She's a wife of 20 plus years and mom to two teenage boys. And now that right there requires a whole lot of prayer. So welcome to the No More Perfect podcast, Brooke. Thank you so much. You know, you're <laughs> I'm tickled because you're not the first person to make that observation when it comes to this book that having two <laughs> teenage boys in the home is is cause enough for a mom to get on her knees and pray. So, <laughs> you're absolutely right. <laughs> oh, I so remember those teenage years and I now have grandchildren that are starting to enter into them. So, I'm seeing it all over again and uh even in a and in a different culture than when my mm-hmm. kids were teenagers. So I completely understand. So Brooke, um, you are the founder of Million Praying Moms. So tell us the story of your vision and really what God's done with that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think it's fair since we were already on the topic of of boys to mention that when I first started doing ministry and um uh, praying, uh, my ministry was very different. I started out in partnership with uh, another mom of boys. We had five boys between us. And so our ministry was called the Mob Society. There was nothing like, you know, murderous about it in any way, but it was mothers of boys. And so <laughs> I started out very much in this boy space. Um, we had, uh, we had looked around, both of us were young moms. We had looked around and, and realized that there was kind of a lack of 
information out there for raising godly men. There was a lot of stuff out there for raising uh, daughters, but there was just a lack. And so we wanted to fill that void. But from the very beginning, prayer was the foundational part of how we tried to do that. My very first book was called Praying for Boys, and, and it was an effort to help moms learn how to fight for their boys instead of against their boys. Mm. And the way that we have always approached uh, motherhood in any of the ministries that I've done has been through the power of prayer. Well, about four years ago now, it's hard to believe it's been that long, we decided that our emphasis on prayer was so deep and so foundational that we wanted to switch gears and focus on it entirely. And so we opened up the doors to reach the hearts of of mothers of boys and mothers of girls with the message that prayer is not a last resort. It is Mm -hmm. the first and best response to the challenges of parenting. It is the gift that God has given us as moms to partner with Him. You know, Jill, I think it's, it's really... Uh, important for a mom to come to a realization or a deep understanding of what her job is as a mom versus Mm -hmm. what God's job is. Mm. They're different and things don't go well when we try to take over God's job, right? (laughs) And so, (laughs) I mean, it goes badly. So, when we realize that there are two different roles Uh, but that we can work, that God has invited us to work in partnership with Him, and that it's prayer that is the way that we do that. It really changes everything about the way we look at our motherhood. And so, my own experience with with motherhood has led me to that that belief that that prayer, you know, I don't don't really believe that there's any one uh, biblical method to raising godly kids. I think Mm -hmm. if there were, then we would all be doing it, and we would have a whole lot less kids leaving the church when they turn 18. Mm-hmm. Um, there are just no uh, no promises of that nature in the Bible that say A plus B equals C every single time. But prayer is the way that we can go to the heart of God, and we can we can know His will, we can hear His voice, We can ask for his wisdom and the scriptures say he'll give it. Mm -hmm. And so why would we not pray? And that's really what Million Praying Moms is built on is that, that desire to be in partnership with God. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I think the other thing is that God understands our child better than anyone. I mean, he created them, right? And so, uh, no, there isn't a formula that A plus B equals C. And I think that oftentimes we think that there is, but there isn't. And, um, but God understands our child's uh, G and H and J and K mm-hmm. and L and X and Y and Z. <laughs> yes. And so he gives us that wisdom, the wisdom that we need for each child, um, which is unique. But let's talk, let's talk for a moment because you just said that we need to understand what our role is and we need to understand what God's role is. Let's, let's actually uh, make that a little clearer. What is God's role and what is our role? Actually, the understanding of this in my own personal life corresponds to the beginning of my 
um, more serious, vibrant prayer life as a mom? So it's it's a great question. Early in my children's childhood, uh, my, my I have two boys. I prayed that God would give me boys. I wanted the opportunity to raise boys, uh, but God gave them to me 23 months apart. They were both very wanted, but neither one of them were planned. In, in a lot of ways, motherhood just kicked my feet out from under me in in all of the best ways. And I found myself going to bed at night, most nights. I also, just to throw in the mix, also have a husband who works shift work. And so there were, uh, and he has our entire married lives, that's never gone away. And so there were a lot of times in our early parenting and even still today that I feel somewhat, I'm not a single mom, but I feel somewhat like a single mom because I have to do a lot of the things by myself that other mm-hmm. moms, generally speaking, get to do with their husband. And I'm not complaining about that. It's just the way our life is. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself, um, you know, really crying out to the Lord in a new way because I wanted him to do something in my home. I needed him desperately to do something in my home because I was going to bed most nights really feeling like I had not been the kind of mom I wanted to be that day. Mm -hmm. And so somewhere along the way, I do not remember why this happened, but I was studying in the book of Ezekiel. And that's funny because who chooses to study the book of Ezekiel? Like it's, (laughs) you know, it's not the one that you would say, oh, if you're having mom struggles, go study Ezekiel. But that's what it was. I don't know why. And I came across Ezekiel 36, 26, which says, in a nutshell, that God is the one who turns hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. And Jill, it was like a light came on in my mind and in my heart. And I realized that God's job was literally the changing of their hearts. Mm-hmm. Now I could I could provide a home for them that was saturated with the gospel. I could I could try my best. I could be loving and compassionate and shepherd them well. My husband and I could both try and and teach them what the Bible says, which that is what we're told to do in the word is, you know, along the way and and all the time we're supposed mm-hmm. to be talking to our kids about the Lord. Uh, and we could do our very best at that and try to make it easy for them to know the Lord and to see his hand in in their everyday lives and make a decision to come to him, to follow him. But he was the one that was going to actually make that happen. That part that I really wanted more than anything, which was before my children to know the Lord and to serve him, that part, that actual change of heart that is required, that repentance that is required to follow Christ was not my job. It was God's job. And I have to tell you, it's it's a little bit funny looking back, but I was both relieved by that and annoyed by that. <laughs> I, I, was, I was relieved because I realized it, it took some of the pressure off. Like I, I can do my very best or I could do my very worst and it's still up to God to be the one who does it. So there is a, a little bit of a relief in mm-hmm. that, knowing that as much as I might mess up along the way, God can still redeem even my worst failures. Mm-hmm. But I also kind of lamented the the idea that I couldn't just snap my fingers and make it happen. You know, there was no amount of discipline. There was no amount of, of uh, you know, correction or loving teaching or anything like that that was going to allow me to have the power 
to change their hearts. That was going to be up to God. And so there was a, uh, you know, a reconciling that I had to do in my heart as a young mom with that. But it's one of the most profound truths of my motherhood that God taught me. I'm so grateful that he taught me that early on because it has led me to be more aware when I am trying to be their personal Holy Spirit, when I am trying to, to work in the role that really belongs to God. When God makes that clear to me, because I have that foundational understanding of what my role is versus his, then I can with freedom, not with guilt, not with shame, but with freedom, step back and say, this one's yours, Lord. This belongs to you. I have to let this part go. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thanks for just clarifying that. And, you know, I, I as you were uh, sharing, I was thinking of the verse is a verse in John. I think it's John five that says my father and I are always at work. And so I think the other thing mm-hmm. is that we can trust. This is where, you know, understanding God's word and how it all works together. And we can trust that he is working. He is pursuing and um, it, he is doing that in our kids' lives. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we really do need to understand that. And boy, we do try to step in and be the Holy Spirit, don't we, in other people's lives. I mean, we try to do that in our spouse's life. If we're married, we try to do that in our kids' lives. And God's like, you know, I got that covered. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And even just even just the other day, I, I mentioned that I have a... um my kids are teenagers now. I actually have one that's getting ready to graduate from high school, which is an entirely different conversation yeah. we can have <laughs> another day. But, you know, he is in that he is in that stage where he is owning his faith mm-hmm. and he is asking deep questions and he has lots of questions and he is making some of his own decisions and He's not a bad kid. He's not a, a wayward kid, but he's still making some decisions that I might have made differently right. if it were up to me to make them at this point. But he is he's almost an adult. I want him to be stepping into manhood and learning to make his own decisions when he's still in the safety of our home, right? That's a good thing. And I think we have to remind ourselves of that. But the other day we had this argument over a decision that he made. And I I really in that moment felt um, the fiery darts of the enemy saying, you messed it up. You didn't mm-hmm. get this message across to him. This didn't work. Your prayers are worth nothing. Um, in fact, I felt it on a really big level. Like, like the enemy was saying, you keep telling moms that prayer is important and that prayer matters. And your prayer did, hasn't worked in this particular area yet. And so I began to feel those fiery darts just hitting me, hitting me in the middle yeah. of that conversation. But because I have grown in my relationship with the Lord, because I know who He is, because I know His character, because I know the tactics of the enemy, and I knew that was that was not from the Lord, then I could immediately, because I talk to the Lord, I could immediately turn around and say, no, no. And what you just said reminded me of that. I felt like the enemy was saying, God's not at work in this situation. But I could turn around and say, no, scripture tells me God is always at work. Mm-hmm. And I can just, you know, I can pray, Lord, I know you're at work in this situation. So prayer is not just asking God for something. It's not just, hey, would you do this 
you know, would you make my kid more obedient or, or, you know, whatever. Prayer is talking to God in a way that helps us win the victory, not just the victory of our, our child's salvation, um, or, or our child making good choices, but the victory in that moment that belongs to us because we are children of God. It really is an entirely different way of looking at your relationship with God. And I have found such power and strength in that as a mom and also in every other role of my life. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I agree. So let's, let's turn the corner and talk about the topic of peace because I know that you have a new book on that. You, uh, you actually have a series of books. They're called the everyday prayer series. One was mm-hmm. everyday prayers for joy. Another one was everyday prayers for the school year. So your more recent one is everyday prayers for peace. So why peace? Why was that the next logical prayer focus for you? I think, Jill, that learning to live with peace in my own life, um, whatever might be happening in my life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the 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 great choices my kids make, the not so great choices my kids might make and, and how those might reflect on me has been one of the most important life lessons that God has taught me in recent years. Um, it has been, we have, my family has personally had a little bit of a roller coaster of the last seven years. And so it was personal for me. This issue mm-hmm. of peace was personal. Um, I wanted to find out how I could step off the roller coaster because mm-hmm. I believe God's word is true. And I believe that God says that he has given us peace, not just peace uh, between us and God. That's that's part of what we get when we come to, to Christ, right? Is peace between us and God, but peace for every day, peace, peace at all times in every way. Um, I wanted that kind of peace. I wanted to be able to learn based on the truths of God's word, how not to be rolled or rocked by the surprises of life, by the things that I can't control. And over time, I I knew that this would be a growth issue. I knew that this would be a maturing issue, um, that I would have to choose to put into practice and in action the promises that God has given us, the gifts that God has given us because of our relationship with Jesus. So, I'm not saying that the the very first time after I started trying to learn what true biblical peace is that I got it right, <laughs> but I am getting it right more and more often mm-hmm. um, as I choose to grow in that area. And so it was, it was just very personal for me to learn that lesson and really want to, to learn to function from a place of peace mm-hmm. instead of letting everything roll me around. Yeah. So one in one of your devotions, you say that we need to get off the ride. Is that mm-hmm. what you're talking about? It is. It is. Absolutely. Um, we have my husband and I, and, and I think probably everyone listening can identify with this. As I look back on my life, I could identify the things that happened that were particularly hurtful or that uh, were painful or that really shook us as a family. And we had one of those things happen several years ago, and it felt like it was a ride we couldn't get off. Like it wasn't something that we could necessarily separate ourselves from easily. And sometimes it was good. And when it was good, I felt like everything was fine. I was good in my relationship 
with the Lord and with my relationship with my family. But when it was bad, it affected all those things in the same way. I felt like my relationship with the Lord is suffering. My relationship with my family is suffering. And one day as I was sitting down um, and just having my own quiet time, I felt like I was at the top of the roller coaster. You know, if you've ever ridden one, you know that there's a there's a moment when you're at the very top and you're looking down and there's an impending like, you know, downward swing, crazy <laughs> yep. downward swing, right? I felt like I was there at the top of the roller coaster. I could see it coming. And I felt, and I just said to the Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to take this ride anymore, Lord. And I really just felt like in that moment, the Lord said, well, just get off. Mm-hmm. Like, just mm-hmm. get off the ride. Let's do something different. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of me saying, I want to know how I can be a more constant woman of faith and peace in the midst of whatever the Lord throws me. And it doesn't mean I don't, I really want to be careful not to be too Pollyanna or too, um, you know, I know there are people listening right now who are experiencing some very, very deep hurts and it can be hard to get off the roller coaster and you might find yourself back on it even after you've made the decision to get off and then have to decide to get off again. It is something that is a constant, but it can be done. And I do believe that God will give us peace if we pursue it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that in my own life as well. The word talks about that we need to be anchored in truth. And mm-hmm. I almost have a picture of like when peace is grounding me, it's like, even if the, like I'm a boat that's kind of moving around on the waves, but if I'm not grounded in God's truth, then I don't have my anchor down and I'm just being tossed about. But when I've got my anchor down, it's not that I don't experience those waves. It's just, they don't sweep me away. Right. I mean, think of Peter, think of Peter, like when he took a step out onto the water, right? And and walked to Jesus. When he took his eyes off of Jesus, he started to see all that stuff around him and he started to sink. We're exactly the same way. Yep, exactly, exactly. So I love one of the things that you say, and you say that peace is a fruit, it's not a feeling. Mm-hmm. So talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that that was one of the, the best little nuggets um, of my time looking deeply at what peace is. And and I think it's a little bit countercultural or maybe just counterintuitive because if peace is not a feeling, what is it? Because it's something I feel, right? It's just, it right. doesn't, on, on the surface, it doesn't make a lot of sense to say that peace is not a feeling because I don't know about you, Jill, but when I'm experiencing a lack of peace, my heart rate goes up, my palms get sweaty, I get a little bit, um, you know, I I might get a little bit out of breath or, or things like that. Like I do have a physical reaction to a lack of peace, and most people do, even if it doesn't look just like mine. So it is in that sense a feeling, it is something we feel. However, if you look at it from a biblical perspective, we see that peace is a fruit. It's actually a fruit along with love and joy and patience. And, you know, we could sing the song here if we wanted to, but Mm -hmm. um, all of those things are gifts of God to the believer when we come to Christ. We all have them. The good news for your listeners right now and for me and for you 
is that even if you don't feel a lot of peace in your life right now, you do have a seed of peace in your heart. It is there. And just like with every other plant in the world, it can be grown if we nurture it. Yes, if we nurture it, if we take care of it, if we choose to pay attention to it, if we prune it, there may be some things that are in our lives that that are, you know, that God would say, this is a source of, of stress for you and it doesn't have to be there. Or this is a sinful thing that you're doing that's causing you stress that doesn't have to be there. We can prune so that it will grow, but it can be grown. And that is amazing news is that it's there. We have to choose to grow it and God will help us do that. Yeah. Yeah. Fertilize it, water it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, oftentimes, um, you know, uh, in a couple of different messages that I teach on, I will talk about patience in that way. And that, you know, we often pray for patience, but patience is a fruit of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes we're, it's like, we're jumping over the reality of what it takes to get patience. So we need to pray for more of Christ in us. Mm-hmm. We need to dig into truth because the result or the the fruit is going to be patience and peace and love and joy and all of those yeah. other uh, fruits that, that God talks about. But let's be honest, the anxiety in general is rising mm-hmm. in huge ways. I mean, we've just come through a huge three years of a pandemic and our world got turned upside down. So many things have changed. I just saw a study out the other day about um, anxiety in kids, that it has jumped uh, in a huge uh, percentage of the number of kids that uh, are dealing with anxiety. Many of us deal with anxiety, which in my mind is the opposite of peace, right? Mm -hmm. So, Brooke, understanding all of this, how do we not let anxiety take over? And and what are some ways that we can uh, move from anxiety to peace? Yeah, I want to preface this by saying that I do think there are different levels of anxiety and stress. Um, There are the everyday stressors, the everyday levels of anxiety that all of us have to deal with. And then there are some people who have different experiences with anxiety. It can be, um, you know, from a biological perspective that make it a little bit different, but that might need a doctor's attention, things like that. That is not wrong. It is not wrong to need help in that, in that way. And I just want to start that conversation because I don't want there to be any guilt and I don't want anybody to be thinking, well, she just wants to slap a Bible verse on something that is a, a, is bigger, not bigger than the Bible, but is a bigger problem than, our everyday source of stress and anxiety. But I do believe that even if we are experiencing that level of anxiety, these truths from the Word of God still apply, and they can still help us. So, 
we kind of started our conversation by talking about the fact that we don't really believe there's any um, formulas uh, for biblical parenting in the Bible. And I do believe that there's maybe a lack of, of formulas in the Bible in general, but I do believe there's a lot of promises. And so when I am looking at a practical way from to move in my own life, to move from a, a place of anxiety to a place of peace, I often turn to Philippians 4, 6 through 7. I was studying these verses on my own a few years ago, and I, I kind of just had this moment where I felt like the Lord said, hey, Brooke, what if you actually lived like these verses were true? Like, what if you actually put them into practice in a step-by-step -step way when you are feeling anxious? Mm -hmm. So, for those, um, most of your listeners will be familiar with this verse because they're these verses because they're very popular and very common. But in case they're not, I'll read them to you. It, it just says, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, yeah. if we take these in, in order, what that means, first of all, is that we have to learn what it feels like for us to be stressed out and anxious. I mentioned earlier that my heart rate goes up when I'm anxious. My palms get sweaty. I feel a little bit short of breath. Whatever that might look like in your life, begin to recognize that. And when you feel that way, I recommend saying, stop. You can say it out loud if it, uh, if you're in a place where you won't be thought of as crazy. <laughs> I do that often, but actually more often I do it internally. If I'm, uh, for example, the other day I was at a, a basketball game for my one of my sons and it was a high stress basketball game it was our big rivalry game um, there was a lot riding on this game and i felt really anxious in the midst of it for him uh, in particular mm -hmm. and um i am sitting there in a packed gymnasium with people all around me like pressed up against me there was there was no way to get away from it. And in my mind, I recognized the signs of my own anxiety. And I just said quietly to myself, stop, just stop. And it's a way to just interrupt our thought process and mm -hmm. begin the process of putting off and putting on so that you're telling your brain, this is not the direction we're going to continue to go. Mm -hmm. We're going to go in a different direction. So the first part of that, of that process is when you find yourself stressed out or anxious, stop, make yourself stop that thought process and then immediately go to God in prayer right away, right that moment, wherever you are. My next step again, right there in that crowded gymnasium was to begin to pray and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm feeling anxious. I need you to give me the right perspective on this. This is not a life or death situation. There is nothing eternal riding on this. I need you to help me get this right and give me peace. And that is the next step. Just ask for peace. The verse says, ask, let your requests be made known to God. And so I'm asking him, give me peace, give me peace. And I have found at times, Jill, that I, I don't, you know, a lot of times I get it right away. A lot of times the process of just recognizing that I, you know, I need to change my thoughts is enough to help me get control and feel a sense of peace. But sometimes it's not. And so I, I recommend that if it's not, 
that you just keep pressing in and keep asking the Lord, much like Jacob wrestled with the Lord in, in Genesis 32 and kind of refused to get up until God gives you peace. It, you know, Jacob got up with a limp. It may cause a limp. I don't know. I'm not saying it won't. It could. But we can we can be persistent. The, the scriptures teach us to be persistent askers. And so, keep asking the Lord. Keep going back. Um, to him and and pursuing that. And the scriptures don't say that if you do these things, you know, the peace of God might guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It says it will yeah. guard your hearts and minds. And so I think we have to believe what God's word says is true and put it into practice. This has been one of the most practical ways that I have been able to use God's word to get from a place of stress and anxiety to peace in my own life. I love how practical that is, Brooke. I mean, just really taking God's truth and being practical with it. I love that. That's been I think we don't so do it helpful. enough. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think we I think oftentimes when we even read God's word, um, you know, I one of the things I try to do each time that I sit down in front of my Bible or I'm reading God's word is just to breathe a little prayer of Lord, let me see what you have in this for me. Mm -hmm. Let me see what what you want me to apply to my life. And man, that often brings it more alive. And I don't always get those out of everything that I read, but there's um, more often than not, I start seeing those practical ways of applying it. So I love that. Well, this has been such a good conversation. I'm so grateful for you taking the time out uh, to bring encouragement to my uh, community. And Brooke, where's the best place for people to find you, the resources you offer uh, with Million Praying Moms, the book, all of that? You can find everything you need at millionprayingmoms.com. The book, Everyday Prayers for Peace, is available anywhere books are sold. But there's links to everything, ways that you can get involved with what Million Praying Moms is doing. Um, take the first steps to becoming a praying mom. If that's something that you have struggled with, we have all of that for you waiting and ready to go at millionprayingmoms.com. I, I love that. We'll make sure and put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, we'll also put a link where you can pick up uh, Brooke's new book uh, as well. And uh, the title of that is Everyday Prayers for Peace. And really, when you wrote this, Brooke, you also wrote it in mind that it's really, it guides readers through prayers for peace, wherever it's needed in your family, in your community, in your workplace, your church, mm -hmm. the world at large. Yeah, absolutely. This is actually not a book directed specifically to moms. It's directed toward women. And the, the overall goal of it was to help define the difference between worldly peace and biblical peace and help women pursue that in every aspect of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. A much needed resource. So Brooke, would you be willing to pray for our, our uh, listeners as we bring this to a close? Absolutely. Lord, thank you so much for peace. Thank you that you've, you've given it to us freely. It is, it is already ours. It is already in us. It is ours for the taking because it's a gift from you. And I pray Lord for that, that woman that's listening 
today who might be experiencing a lack of peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe she's on that roller coaster, Lord, and she really just identified with it when we were talking about just wanting to get off. Would you help her today, Lord, to be able to take the first step off of the ride and into the sureness of your peace, Lord? As the waves move her, Father, would you help her to be able to stand on the rock that is immovable? And that is your son, Jesus Christ. Help us all, Lord, to place our eyes on you and never take them off. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.